Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Sam Pets Radio, Australia's coolest podcast network. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Serious Issues. My name is Andrew Levins. My name's Connor. Oh no, wait. It's me, it's Siobhan. <laughs> Siobhan Coombs makes her grand return. And boy oh boy, is it grand. It's not. It's not grand. <laughs> it's grand. It's good to see you. Thank um, you. Albeit it's good pixelated to see you too. over Zoom. I look better that way, if I'm honest at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> If I could you just are, have, yeah, you are better in pixels. If I could just have pixels covering my face every time I leave the house, no one will know how tired I am. My dad always <laughs> used to say that um, when I look tired, that it looks like my eyes are piss holes in the snow. Jesus. Tells you a lot fuck? about my dad. <laughs> well, my dad. that's the that's the quickest we've ever received the name of an episode yeah. <laughs> uh, in an episode of Serious Issues. <laughs> Also, if we were looking pale, he'd go, oh, you have a prostitute's pallor. Wow. My dad. My little old dad. How well, old my, is your dad? My dad's in his... He's well into his 70s. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway. That's great. Great stuff. Um, well, guess what else is great? And, um, Siobhan? Yeah, thank you very much. I had, to, I had to cycle through all Which, of the various people podcast I do podcasts wives. with. Just. <laughs> <laughs> Um, comics are great that's what yeah Yeah, absolutely (laughs) hey i haven't seen you in a while you're borderline uh, prodigal (laughs) (laughs) comics are good Um, i agree they are good i've been feeling Um, a bit overwhelmed uh, by comics lately it's a bit weird at the moment yeah well the way to way to deal with that i've found is you just go to your shelf and you go hey there's a bunch of books on here that i bought years ago some in like one of these books that we're talking about today i bought more than 10 years ago nice. and i only just read it today that's like a um, that's a special present from your past self yeah it really was especially when the book is very good um so uh no particularly new books from me this week but siobhan at the top a brand new ish release uh from image comics by two serious or three serious issue faves um ed brubaker sean phillips and jacob phillips we have their brand new cowboy book pulp pulp it's sort of, um, I feel like it is uh, deceptively a cowboy book. Like, the front cover is like, this is going to be a book about cowboys, and then you know what this book's about? Crimes. It's actually a crimes book, <laughs> <laughs> like all of their other books. Um, I don't know if you subscribe to Ed Brubaker's newsletter, I but he, uh, he described this book as 
Like apparently Sean Phillips asked him to write a cowboy book for him to illustrate. Great. And then he was like, I did, I did the best I could. <laughs> <laughs> Genuinely, that's how it comes across. There's a couple of like, um, like flashbacks to cowboy crime, and then the rest is regular, regular kind of noirish, uh, right. early 19, uh, 1900s kind of crime. Crime, crime. That's great. It's is really it still excellent? good, man. It's really excellent. Um, a just perfect sort of self-contained graphic novel. Very, very compelling. Very interesting. Um, shall I read the the blurb so I, people actually know what Please. it's about instead of me just saying some random things? Um, what do you do when you expected to die young but somehow didn't? Max Winter used to have a different name and a different life a long time ago. Now in 1930s New York, Max survives by writing thinly disguised tales of the man he used to be for the pulp magazines. Tales of the forgotten frontier in a wild west outlaw dispensing justice with a gun. But as life begins to crumble, he, and he watches the world move to the brink of war with Nazis marching across Europe and in the streets of New York City, Max finds himself thinking like an outlaw again. And once he starts down that path, there may be no way back. So it's like a classic, wow. like, it's a, an old man who uh, writes these sort of detective, uh, like, pulpy um, uh, cowboy stories that are based on his life as an outlaw. Um, Mm-hmm. decades and decades ago with his brother in the Wild West. Um, and now he sort of just gets by writing stories, but as things, as he gets older and younger people replace him for, um, to be, you know, they're paid less and whatever, um, he sort of goes for one last, one last big heist with a former enemy. It's great. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like such an amalgamation of every Brubaker and Phillips book. Yeah, yeah. It like, felt like simultaneously very like familiar and comforting, but also like new and exciting and special. It's great. Yeah, really, that's really great. great. If you like them, and there's it's the, literally no reason not to pick it up. <laughs> it's the same uh, format that nice, uh, uh, like kind of nicely sized, uh, small ha- hardcover release they did for all my heroes have been junkies. Yep, same size as Bad Weekend, same size as all those ones. So it'll fit yeah, nicely yeah. on your shelf. Um, I wasn't originally going to buy it, and then my son dropped it and bent the corner. So I had to buy it, but I wanted to anyway. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, mine's waiting for me. Unbent, I hope, at uh, at King's Comics, where uh, you can buy all the comics, or hopefully most of the comics that I'm talking about. They may not have them in stock, but I'm sure they can put them on back order. Absolutely. Um, If you can't find it on the website, just send them an email. They're really friendly most of the time when they're not tired, which is never. Just uh, ask for Scott. Yeah. (laughs) Scott is genuinely always friendly. Yeah. Ask for Scott. Don't ask for Jim. Don't ask for Wayne. Don't ask for Nick because he doesn't know anything. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kingscomics.com is, uh, is where you'll find all the comics we talk about on the show. Um, so earlier in the year, and I, I look, I'm looking forward on, on adding my thoughts on Pulp when I do pick it up for yeah, my comics yeah. eventually. You're going to love but, it. But uh, earlier, earlier in the year, um, there have been a lot of uh, deaths this year. Many, many deaths. More than any other year, you could say. Um, <laughs> but in May... Um, there was a, the death of the cartoonist of a cartoonist who Ooh. whose name I was familiar with, but whose uh, back catalogue I was not. I've never read at all. And uh, that man's name was Richard Sala, and uh, he is best known as being a, um, a cartoonist who put out multiple books uh, on Fantagraphics. Um, a few of his uh, stories were on MTV's Liquid Television in the nineties, um, and he even did animation is. for like Aeon Flux and Beavis oh, and Butthead. I loved Aeon yeah. Flux. Unsurprisingly, so so you know Aeon Flux, but you don't know Liquid Television. Yes, because I watched Aeon Flux on like Netflix two years ago. And was oh, like, okay. This yeah, is enough. my shit. I love this. 
But I'm too young so when I was and beautiful to know what MTV's liquid, whatever is, liquid pixelated. animation, whatever. Yeah, I'm too beautiful and pixelated. Um, in the 90s, on Saturday nights on SBS, which is um, a was a free-to-air, one of Australia's five channels, and it was the, the, the uh, channel that most teenagers first saw boobs uh, whenever they were watching uh, like uh, movies from... Uh, from all over the world, SBS is always showing like yeah, foreign movies with a uh, with strong chance of titties. But uh, Saturday nights, uh, they would show animation, um, and it would be Liquid Television, Aeon Flux, um, Ghost in the Shell, um, Neon Genesis Evangelion, um, The Head, which is a really sick one, The Max, all these lots ah. of lots of cartoons that we've that uh, that have comic books that we've talked about in the past. Um, it was really, really great. And Liquid Television was like a, um anthology of just like different weird shorts. I loved it. That sounds very, cool. Very, uh, forming for mm. me. Um, but yeah, anyway, so uh, Richard Sala, um, I'd never read anything of his before. Um, have you, Siobhan? No, I feel like, um, I mean, unless you say something and then I've accidentally read it, but the name isn't even familiar to me, embarrassingly. So yeah, he, he's published a bunch of books um, on like in the, in the early '90s on Kitchen Sink Press, and then later um, his first series for Fanographics is called Evil Eye, um, and then uh, he published mostly on Fanographics, IDW, and first second books. Um, so lots of uh, publishers that we really love, and he specialises in like throwback horror that's kind of a little bit tongue in cheek, very like, you know, meta fanographics, cartoonist, excellent stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've bought three of his books uh, nice. since his passing. Um, one is called Violenzia and other deadly amusements. Um, the other one is called uh, peculiar. And the third one is all about, sorry, is called Delphine and almost all of his books um are either about a girl or feature a girl as the main character. Um, and uh, Delphine is the first of these books that I've read. It was published in 2012. Um, it was cl- a collection of four issues that were published between tw- 2006 and 2009. Um, and uh, Delphine is a loose... Uh, modernized adaptation of Snow White told from the point of view of Prince Charming trying to save this uh, like this like girl that he's in love with that has this bizarre family and eventually finding her asleep Um, and uh, it's really dark it's basically like almost like a weird road trip where like you don't know whether like is he the crazy one for wanting to track down this girl who maybe is just fine and didn't want to be with him or is, is is he actually, like, does he need to be the hero and save her because she is, that something's happened to her? And he constantly is, like, he's got, he go, travels to this small town that, that she's from and there's so much weird shit in the town, like, kooky, weird things keep happening to him. He's, like, you know, his things get stolen all the time. He, he keeps, like, he'll have, like, a weird altercation with someone and then someone else will pick him up and say, like, oh, I, I, know, I know who you are. I can take you where you need to go. But first we need to do some errands. And then he just gets taken on this wild goose chase and, like, meets all these people that are like linked to the girl he's trying to find but doesn't find her until the very end of the story and uh it's such a great ride um, yeah that sounds the, fun the cartooning is is oh you would adore this dude i wonder if uh, kings have a bunch of dusty old uh hard covers i bet they do of his from long ago write it down. um but uh yeah so his name is yeah richard sala um s-a-l-a and um I don't, yeah, you're right. I don't think any of his books were, were particularly big hits. He has worked with um, uh, writers a bit more 
uh, famous than him, like Lemony Snicket and Steve Niles. He I did some artwork Lemony for Snicket the Re- <laughs> as a kid. <laughs> he, he did some artwork for the band The Residents. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think The Bloody Cardinal, which was the last um, Fanagraphics book I remember seeing on, on the shelves that I never picked up. Uh, I'm going to make my way oh. through a lot of his work because it's, it's excellent stuff. Okay. Um, but, uh, I, I would one. definitely recommend starting starting with Delphine. I, I, I read a bunch of like people fans of his saying that like you know that's a that's a you know one of his one of his best works. Great. Um, and he, you know it's all written, drawn, and coloured by him. It just it, it, it's so cool and weird and personal. I love it. It's entirely his own thing. Um, so definitely recommend uh, Delphine and the work of Richard Sala in general. I'll be reading uh, one of those every couple of weeks for the for the next few weeks as I get through all of his back catalogue. There's some great. great stuff there. Great. Um, he wasn't particularly old when he died either, which is a real shame. That's 65 true. years old. So, you know, he could have written at least 30 more years worth of weird comics for us to enjoy. So it's pretty sad that he passed. R.I.P. Um, well, moving on. <laughs> it's <was> difficult <laughs> yeah. to move on uh, carefully from a, from a death, but I read um, Familiar Face, the new Michael DeForge book. From drawn you know and what Quarterly? I would have done, Siobhan? What would you have done? I would have said, you know who isn't dead? Ah, see, Michael that's DeForge. really smart. Going, All right. Don't call me the king of seeks for nothing. <laughs> I'm going to remember that the next time. Um, so familiar I do face. know it's segue, everyone. I've, yeah. I've grown a lot in the last it's, few years. It was, <laughs> a good, it was a good throwback, though. I enjoyed it as a longtime fan of the show. Um, so the, the quote on the back of this... Isn't this good? This is helping me be uh, more... I'm just going to read blurbs now. That's my new thing. Yeah, another podcast. another reason to read trades instead of single issues. Yeah. There's no blurbs on the back of single issues. Absolutely. Um, in a thoroughly modernised, constantly updating society, where can true connection be found? So, this is a... Like, it's so fun. It's such a good um, commentary on, like, technology and modern life and blah, 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 blah. But it's done in, like, a really fun, silly, weird Michael DeForge kind of way. So it's this kind of uh, really bizarre world, a bit like ours, but not really, where everything is constantly updating. So in the same way that, like, our apps and our computers are always updating, in this world, everything updates. So, like, the, the, the roads occasionally, the maps totally change and roads just disappear and everyone who was on that road just disappears forever. And sometimes people update, their bodies update, and they get, like, new features and other things get um, left behind. And so we follow this girl whose job is a, she's like a, um, she reads complaints. So people make complaints about the world and like their lives and she just reads them, but then that's all that happens to them. So people feel like their complaints are being heard, but nothing is done about them. And that's her job. She just listens to complaints. And one day she wakes up and her girlfriend is gone and she's not sure whether she left or whether she's just been updated away or why was she updated? All this kind of stuff. And so it's like, it's it's in a sort of gentle narrative, just kind of uh, exploring those ideas and exploring like whether this constant way that we like update everything, is that good? Is like, are we losing things mm. as we do that every single time? Um, as someone who has not updated their laptop in some time, it really spoke to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's really fun. Like, uh, you know, Michael DeForge is like, just, I love his style of cartooning. I think he's, like, incredibly clever as well. I think that the way that he talks about these kind of concepts is really, really clever. But also his, like, cartooning style has gotten um, much, like, busier. Like, I feel like it used to yeah. be quite clean panels and stuff. And now every single panel is just, like, full of stuff. 
like everything's really busy and there's just like all these just meaningless kind of little bits and pieces in every single panel and it's just um a delight to look at the colors are gorgeous um his cartooning is like so sophisticated and weird and interesting and it's so expressive and um a really interesting concept i really think everyone should read it but i yeah, think I you'd enjoy it a lot books. yeah yeah i read i read leaving richard's valley last year oh, that's yeah. awesome i love Jordan i love put that out i have loved every single thing that he's done i think he's like a proper genius he's super prolific um really clever really interesting person I highly recommend Familiar Face. I think it's a great introduction just, to his work as well, if you haven't read anything yeah, before. Everyone, yeah, because it looks um, like Keith Haring more than, like, if you, yeah. it, it, instead of comparing it to a cartoonist, it looks like, yeah, like like pop art. It's more shapes it's wild. than anything else. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just such thick colours, it's great. Yeah. yeah so I definitely, I definitely rate this one very highly. It's very moving. Has he written a parts. bunch of kids' books too? Read what yeah, now? Yeah, I think I think he's read a, written a kids book, maybe. Huh, I don't know. Or was that? Maybe? There was one called Big Kids, which was about um, people turning into trees and puberty. Yeah, kids love that. <laughs> kids love turning into trees. But there was quite a lot of uh, adult themes in it, so I wouldn't necessarily recommend kids it. Kids love adult themes. Kids love adult themes. Man, I'm really having to like um, rapidly change the shelf, like. Uh, situation in our apartment because um, Otto has like sorry, uh, Shatterstar has started reading and now (laughs) I really have to hustle on moving the inappropriate comics out of his reach (laughs) Yeah, that's why I have my bookshelf in my office which is separate from my house. (laughs) Yeah, well we have all of the dirty comics in our room but there's things that are not explicitly dirty comics but still he shouldn't Provocative. Read. Provocative. He yeah. was reading um the the um New Teen Titans, like Marv Wolfman, George Perez stuff, and I forgot how like super horny that is. I was like, Yeah, 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 it's fine, and then it was all like blood sacrifices and everyone's fucking and I was like, Oh man, I read this as a teen. <laughs> That's great. Archie has uh we've just we've had the talk now. We know that um that some people swear in music. And uh, and just because we hear someone else swear doesn't mean we can swear at home. Nice. So that nice. means now I can just listen to whatever I want <laughs> in the car, and he just like it's the best. So look forward to that talk. Oh, that's great! I can't wait. I can't yeah. wait for that talk specifically, and no other talks. Yes, exactly. All the other talks are uh, cancelled. Yes. Um, so uh, Siobhan, I haven't read many superhero comics this year, mm-hmm. but there was a big, a little event. In, um, in uh, in the states and online over the weekend, called DC Fandom. Oh yeah, and uh, they announced all of their big projects. Uh, most of them movie based. There were some video games, a little bit of comic book talk, some animated features, um, and uh, the big thing that everyone is excited about uh, is uh, Matt Reeves, who is taking on the Batman, the Batman in his movie, the Batman, featuring uh, Robert Pattinson as. Um, as the Batman, have you watched the trailer yet? Yeah, I did. I liked it. It's like it looks like a Batman movie. Yeah, yeah it totally. Looks, it looks like totally silly. I like the Riddler. I like someone trying to do yeah, the same. Riddler. That's fun. I like his eyeliner. I'm into it. Yeah, it's a you know it's a sneak peek of what's to come at this point. It's nothing total, totally shattering. What else is Matt um, Reeves directing? Uh, Why should I care about him? Uh, he, the Planet Planet of the Apes movies. Oh, great. Have you seen those? Love nope. monkeys. Nope. I do love monkeys. What else? Uh, what else did he done? He did Let Me In. Oh, he did the original Cloverfield movie. You see that one? Nah. I liked um, did, 10 Cloverfield some, uh, Lane or whatever that one was. That was great. 
Wait, so you saw you saw Ten Cloverfield Lane without seeing Cloverfield? Yep. I think that's, that's the right way to do it, isn't stuff. it? Uh, he directed The Paul Bearer in 1996 with Gwyneth Paltrow and David Trimmer. Do you remember The Paul Bearer? My favorite movie. <laughs> uh, anyway, he's directing it. He was uh, he, he he talked at Fandom, and they asked him which comics have influenced the Batman. And you ask any director who's ever done a Batman movie in the lead up to their release, and all they say is Frank Miller, yeah, Dark yeah, Knight yeah. Returns. Maybe they'll say The Long Halloween. But do you know what Matt Reeves said? He said Darwin Cook's Ego. That's right, Batman Ego, um, and, uh, and which is uh, you know a, a Batman book by one of our favorite cartoonists and writers, Darwin Cook, who unfortunately died five or six years ago. Um, it's like far from his best work, but it's a great story. And it's a great um, Batman and, book. <laughs> and it's just exciting to hear like a director reference something that isn't just one of those, you know, yeah. year one, Dark Knight Returns, The Killing Joke, Long Halloween. Yeah. And then and then nothing else. And then Scott Snyder's run. I feel like that's all, all you really get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Court of Owls. No, you didn't. Yeah, that's what, I mean, that's, that, that's what they're, they're turning into a video game. Oh. But, um, you know, there's so many great, weird Batman comics that aren't, like, you know, as plot-heavy as uh, as those other runs are, but still, like, explore the psyche of what Batman is, who Bruce, Bruce Wayne is, and um, Batman Ego is uh, a dark knight pitted against his most terrifying enemy, himself. You're right. Reading yes, please. Is great. <laughs> um <laughs> Because I've got the, I, I reread my edition of Batman Ego and Other Tales, and Tales is spelt with an I because it's this also features after the fairly short Batman Ego comic. Um, at the back of it, there's a bunch of other different um, uh, stories that Darwin wrote for DC. In fact, I have even more of those. Actually, I have like a collection that has every everything he did for for DC, mm. which is awesome. Um, but this uh, this just has um, Batman Ego, and then at the back it has um, Selena's Big Score. Yes, please. Which is a Catwoman book, which ties into Br- Brubaker because this is um, Darwin Cook. I don't know if you've read Ed Brubaker's excellent Catwoman run, but um, Darwin Cook did the first couple of issues, and he actually designed uh, Catwoman's new awesome outfit with those big goggles. The most such a like, great outfit. best iconic. I would say that's the most iconic bat- uh, Catwoman outfit. I reckon. Yes, totally agree. And um, he actually uh, wrote and drew a really like noir um, prelude to that Catwoman run about uh, basically like that kind of like you know pits. Have you read that run? That run is so yeah, good with yeah, Slam yeah, Bradley yeah. and yeah, yeah, excellent. It's one of the best. Um, Even and, the lovely uh, Nate has read that and loved it. Yeah, excellent. Have you read Selena's Big Score, the Darwin Cook story? I think I had. I think I must have. Because as good, like, Batman Ego is excellent. It's basically, like, you know, uh, Bruce Wayne arguing with the Batman in his head. Um, and uh, there's a, you know, there, there is a, a case either side of it. But it's mostly about the, the inner musings within Bruce and Batman. Um, but the absolute star of this book, and, and it's the bulk of this book, too, is the four issues that make up Selena's big score. Um, it's so good. <laughs> Man, it's so, He was so just good. so fucking great yeah this also includes stuff from solo from um batman black and white and from um the batman gotham knights Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. anthology series um yeah it's so sick 
They oh, just actually they recommends. they reprinted. I think I think Selena's big score. Just that one. Is it one issue? Uh, yeah, um, it's like it's like eighty eighty pages long story. In um, like a single issue, like a little um, super cheap reprint. DC put that out like last really? week. Really? So check out yeah, your right. local Damn comic it. book store or King's Comics. Absolutely, check that out. Yeah, because it's like uh, you know a dollar issue and it's great. Shit, have you, have you, next time you're at King's, do you put one aside for me? Or should yeah. I just email the lovely Scott? You can probably email the lovely <laughs> Scott. I don't know what I'm going to be in next. Um, yeah, I, I, I could not recommend uh, that. Just, I mean, all, all but Darwin Cook in general. I think uh, he's my favorite DC writer, if that's, that's totally cheating. But, like, you know. DC The New Frontier is, like, so far and away the best DC comic ever made. And I feel. I'm not yep. someone who generally likes to say that something's the best, but I feel very comfortable and confident saying that. I think it really encapsulates yep. a lot that we love about superhero comics. It's the one thing that doesn't make you cringe when I say it's the best. Exactly. I'm you fine always like, with oh, that. dial it back, Captain Hyperbole. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Batman Ego. It's exciting to see, like, you know, directors taking on the character and reading more than just the same four books yeah absolutely um, i went on like a real tear ages ago i think i've talk- talked about it on, but like i tracked down so many weird and awesome batman issues from yeah yeah 80 years or whatever it's been since Darwin, uh, since uh, batman was created there's so much great in every era of him there really is um yeah don't just focus um, on the big ones especially i find like with batman especially a lot of my favorite stories are like short stories in anthologies and things like that i think the character works so well like that sometimes big runs become really overblown mm, definitely hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, so from Batman to Bowie, yeah, we read Mike Allred's new book. Yeah, man, this is such a good book. Um, so I think it's just called, oh no, hang on, let me look up the full name of it. Bowie... Ziggy Stardust. 
Stardust, Ray Guns, and Moon Age Daydreams. There we go. Um, so written and illustrated by Mike Allred, colors by his wife, Laura Allred, as per usual. Um, and this is like, it is part sort of biography, part kind of study of the character of Ziggy Stardust. So it kind of goes, like, it covers pretty um, sort of thoroughly the uh, how Bowie came up with the character, his experience of being Ziggy Stardust, um, the sort of recording process that he went through, his relationships, his children being born, like all this kind of stuff, um, but only really focusing on that part of his career so you don't see anything beyond that. And in the back right. matter... Michael Ward says, I've been drawing pictures and, like, adventures of Ziggy Stardust since 1970-whatever. And it really, like, comes through. Like, it's... it's It might be one of my favourite Ward books, just full stop. And, like, I like David Bowie plenty, but I wouldn't be like, oh, I'm a hardcore David Bowie nut. But it's, like, the, the love and affection that he has for Bowie and for the character of Ziggy Stardust and for the aesthetic of it just shines through every single panel. It is, like, so lit up and it's so clever and there's all these kind of interesting dream sequences and the the really precise studies of like the album covers and the outfits and it's just um it's a beautiful book it's a beautiful book to have it's really clever and interesting i think if you're a bowie fan you've got to get it yeah so it was co-written with um steve horton who did um that satellite falling series of a couple years ago remember that one nope yeah um it was on idw uh, but yeah, I, I'm. Uh, it's always funny. I, I love I love looking at Mike Allred, um books, but the stories never grab me when he when he writes it himself. Mm. So it's cool to hear you say that you you really connected with this. It's great. Yeah, I loved it. I really loved it. I highly highly yeah, rated. Neil Gaiman, Neil Gaiman did the the forward. If that sells, he anybody. sure did. But I didn't read it. Good, good. Take that, Neil Gaiman. Yeah, Gaiman. fuck you, man. Um, so we are now getting to uh, books that I've owned for a long time that I've never read. Um, and uh, many, many times uh, we have talked about our love of First, Second, um, an excellent publisher. And uh, I read maybe one of their most famous books, finally, by Mariko Tamaki oh, cool. and uh, Gillian Tamaki, who I assume are sisters. I read I This cousins. One Summer. Cousins. I think so. That's cool. Um this one summer. Have you read this, Siobhan? Yeah. It was a while ago, but I have. And I gifted it to my little sister afterwards, and she loved it too. Good. So I thought, teen angst. given given the, uh, you know, usual subject matter of uh, of the teen, of the YA graphic novels that um, First Second published, I thought this was going to be a story about coming out. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Um it's not. It's, uh, and I'm not saying like, thank God it's not. I'm just <laughs> saying I was surprised that, that, uh, that it, this is a story, um, about, uh, a, a girl who go and, uh, and it goes to, with her family, her mum and her dad, um, to their like summer house, um, for a little holiday and something bad has happened recently to her mother. Um, and her mother is disconnected. She has trouble, like ha- she, her mother just can't have fun basically. And, um, it frustrates the, the the hero of our story um, like to no end, and she's always trying, looking for any excuse to escape the the house with her with her family, so she hasn't got to talk to her mum. She's reconnecting with the girl that she always sees every summer when they go up to the house, and I guess it's a, you know that classic thing where like every time you come back, it's been a full year, so you've both grown, you're now teenagers, mm. and uh, you know things are different. 
Um, and so this explores like that innocent view that are they, are they newly teenagers in there? Like they're very, they're either tweens or, or, or very early teenagers. And like, they're trying to process everything they see, you know, be it the family problems or like the, the sexual problems that the older teens are having down at the um, convenience store that they rent DVDs from. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's like a lot of crazy melodrama that you see from the point of view of two kids that don't understand it entirely. Yeah. And, uh, it's a really, really great, like you, it's one of a book that you start reading and I couldn't, I couldn't put it down until I finished it. It's um, a beautiful book. Like I think there's a real, like there's a, there's a significant reason that it is still in print. A lot of these books sort of cycle through and you don't see them again. Um, but this one is consistently on every comic book shelf and it's, it's, uh, brilliant. I wonder if it's like kind of like yeah, the most well-regarded first second, or like the most famous first second book. The uh, is it the Dark Knight Returns? Of <laughs> puberty comics, yeah, it's it, the. It uh, can, it, I can't think of something famous, but you know um, what I mean. Because I, 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 I grew up as a teenager, like. Or like reading so many books like this written by dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like you know, you're like uh, like blankets and yeah. um, and all, all kinds of like you know semi autobiographical comics written by dudes. And like I know that women were probably publishing them, but they weren't getting the same amount of press or whatever. Mm. And like, look, I may not be a teen anymore, um, but I love I love stories that make me remember those feelings that I had when I was a teen, where I didn't understand everything, but I was desperate to understand everything. Absolutely. And uh, I thought this was just such a Absolutely. Like, this is a, a book that every comic book fan should read at some point in their lives. I agree. I agree. Um, and first, second, I, I, they have not, I have not read a book that they published that I didn't love. Huh. Funnily enough, on the, uh, on the back cover of this book, you have a, uh, a recommendation by, it just says, I loved it. Craig Thompson, author <laughs> of Blankets. Man, um, his work has aged I still badly. Have, <laughs> has it? Um, I think so. I think like there was quite a lot of conversation about um, like Habibi, Habibi and that kind of being yeah. a bit um, culturally insensitive. Yeah, and and reading back blankets reminds me of a lot of very emotionally manipulative teenage boys that I knew. <laughs> yeah, that there's definitely he's so affected by uh, relationships with women. Yeah, I don't know it's like yeah. I, I want. I will read it again. I want. I, I, maybe that that could be some a homework assignment for me. Rereading books that I read when I was much younger, and are they are they cancelled now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like um, Goodbye Chunky Rice, what is which that? is like his first. Oh, okay. It's his first graphic novel, um, and it's about like animals mm. like saying goodbye to each other. Like it's still about a relationship, but it's quite nice. That's cool. Um, yeah, and no, it's not particularly gendered either. It's good. Hmm. I, I mean, I assume it's good. I haven't read it in over a decade. Yeah. But that was always my favourite of his. Let's assume it's bad. <laughs> the Siobhan Coombs <laughs> way. <laughs> um, what about The Killing Moon? Okay. What's this one? So this is not a comic book. I tricked you. It's not a comic book. It's a book with words in it. Siobhan. I know. I'm sorry. Um, but so I've, I've been loving um, Far Sector, the uh, mm-hmm. Green Lantern comic by N.K. Jemison. Um, and so I was like, oh, I'll read some of her novels. It's been ages since I've read a good fantasy novel. I'm going to go to my local library and pick up some of her novels because she's just won, I think, another Hugo Award. 
Um, this was the only one they had in stock at my library, and it is like a fantasy set in like a uh, like a fantasy version of ancient Egypt. So it's not ancient Egypt, but it's kind of modeled loosely on like the kind of society and the the um, aesthetics of that era. Um, and it's so good. It's like incredibly sexy and incredibly clever. It deals with like um, mm. people called the gatherers who uh, go into people's dreams and they either um, like harvest the dreams or they harvest the dreams um, and also the life force of the person. And I'm only a little bit of the way in, but it is uh, part of a trilogy, the Dream Blood trilogy. <laughs> great. Come on, this is like great nonsense fantasy stuff um but it's really interesting it's really interesting the way that it um is kind of dealing with death specifically which was like big deal in ancient egyptian societies a lot of stuff to do with death and this is all kind of to do with um like how you die the way that you approach death do you kind of lean into it and accept it um but it's also wonderful to read a fantasy novel that isn't completely obsessed with like white societies do you know what I mean? Like, it's not a right. Game of Thronesy style, and then there's like the barbaric, like people from another land, and they just sure, ride horses and have long yeah, hair, yeah. and they're all dirty, and I don't understand. Um, this is like fully from the perspective of like a very um, diverse but interesting black-focused culture, um, and it's it is it's insane how many fantasy. Even movies are, are, are written from like the point of view of like a white dude experiencing a new culture that's very much African. For sure, like, like Av- Avatar, even is just it's just blue Africa. Yeah, like. <laughs> and there's also like like there's always the sort of you know um, like even didn't Dungeons and Dragons come out and be like we recognize now that having like orc casts and things like that has um, been kind of very racially coded. And so we're working to fix that. Um, so it's nice to read something where it's not like, ah, the, the, like in, in fact, in this, it's like the barbaric northerners are white people and like they come in and don't respect custom and they're all dirty and disgusting. And I love it. Um, it's super clever. It's really engaging. It's very um, beautifully written. She's clearly like a superstar. So I really highly rate and recommend this book. The Killing Moon. Yeah, cool. Because um, her, her most famous book is called The Fifth Season. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. But like, yeah, a lot, of, and a lot of about. She's got a lot of trilogies. Yeah, she's been like she's been, incredibly yeah. prolific. Um, so um, far, I I recently um, because my my Archie is obsessed with uh, reading at the moment. In fact, uh, he's doing the MS Readathon at the moment. Um, and he's reading books to raise money for families affected by um, MS. He's such a good um, kid. Multiple sclerosis. And a good um, reader. And yeah, well, he's he's almost at fifty books for the month. Wow. Um, you know what? I'm going to put. I'm going I'm to link to his uh, his donation page in uh, in the show notes. So if you want to donate a couple bucks, kick a couple of bucks to uh, support MS. He's like his school found out he was doing it. And so they're doing a cupcake drive on Wednesday and all the proceeds of the cupcakes are going to go to Archie's Aww. MS Readathon. That's so cute. I assumed that um, it was like organized by the school, but he's just doing it off his own back. That's super cool. Uh, a, a friend a friend of mine, I mean, I, I, I grew up doing it um, when I was in primary school and uh, a, friend of, a friend of ours kid is doing it. And I was like, oh shit, I may as well sign Archie up too because he loves reading. He may as well have even more incentive to read. Yeah, cool. But he's uh, obsessed with... Uh, this uh, woman called Holly Webb, who only writes books about sad dogs or cats, and um, 
we went on her website last night and she has 141 books that she's written in less than a decade. Well, now, see, <laughs> you're really, um, like, the same sort of obsessive collecting uh, Mahjong manga reading uh, vibe no, that you have yeah, is yeah. really being, like, <laughs> fostered in your son. <laughs> I'll block. I'll block her website. So we, uh, we, she, he never learns how many books that he needs to read. But no, I mean, yeah, we, we get most of them from the library. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's bonkers how many books she has. And I, and I like. I'm like. I've been moaning all morning about doing another edit of my second kid's book, and like the idea that she's she writes like probably more than one a month is just insane to me. Yeah, it's so crazy. Some people who are like that, like Michael DeForge. I'm constantly like, I don't understand how there's still more of his books that I've never read. How? How'd you have the time, sure. man? Jeff Lemire. Jeff Lemire. Uh, he's uh, he, actually five the most men. Comic book writer and artist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, got to be. Um, a Lemire even sounds like a, a collective of something, mm. like a Lemire of ducks, <laughs> a Lemire of Jeffs. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the final book uh, that I read this week, um, I just finished it this morning. It has been on my bookshelf since 2010 wow. after I bought it in the UK. Ah. It is a book called The Now of Brown. I'm so excited you read it. I knew uh, you had it. 2010 or 2000, whenever I went to the UK. I'm just, I don't want to fact check it to be like, actually, Levens, it came out in 2011. <laughs> You're a fucking liar. Um, it came out in, God, I don't even know. Why don't they say? Acknowledgements. Am I going to have to look it up online? Yes. To beat our listeners, our horrible listeners. You awful bastards! It's a good book, huh? Uh, Pretty interesting that he was—he's Steve Dillon. 2012. Oh yeah, that lines up. Yeah, okay, I got it in 2012. All right, so I haven't had it in a decade. Sorry for lying at the start of the episode. Um, The Now of Brown is written by Glenn Dillon. And I remember talking about this a while ago when Steve Dillon died, but he is the brother of Steve Dillon. Steve Dillon, of course, most famous for collaborating with Garth Ennis, being the artist on Preacher, um, Hellblazer, Punisher, and multiple other excellent runs. He's one of our favorite cartoonists that we've spoken about on the podcast numerous times. I did just um, say that, but and, uh, um, Glenn- my I think you cut out at the same time, so now it sounds like you're... Um, but I was smartest. I said that first. Is all I wanted to say. I just wanted to make that point. That's fine. I'm, I'm going to leave it in. Yeah, good, good. I'm going to leave it in. Yeah, good. Not because I hate editing, just because I, <laughs> I think it's good that we say it twice. Keeps you humble. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, Glenn Dillon, <coughs> he's only written... This is like his main comic book work, but he has actually been prevalent in pop culture in many, many ways, including, and this links back to a book I talked about earlier in the episode. So he, he's a he's the main costume designer, one of the main costume designers, designers for the, the last five Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. He's actually the designer of uh, Kylo Ren's mask. It's and, a good mask. Um, most most recently, he de- he's designed um, uh, Robert Pattinson's cowl for the Batman. I like the shape of the cowl. It's good. Yeah, it's cool though, right? He's got like, yeah, ears. He's, he's you know, he's this guy. This guy is everywhere. Um, but the Now of Brown is a book that um, is about a a girl. She is a Japanese British girl who. Um, and it's funny reading this after reading. Um, God, what's Christopher Cantwell's book? Um, Ice about Cream Man. The girl who. Oh, Ice Cream. No, um, no, the other. Uh, she can horror. fly. Something. She, she could fly. Is what it's called. Something like that. She could fly. Let's go. Come on. Yeah, she could fly. Um, so, both of these books, The Now of Brown and She Could Fly, feature um, uh, 
women who or girls who uh, she could fly as much younger the main character than now Brown uh, but who are like can't get dark thoughts out of their brain um, as soon as they see someone particularly someone smaller or younger than them in now of Brown's case um, they immediately envisage the worst possible thing that could happen and it's always their fault like they attack them with, mm. with a pencil or they snap their neck or they have a, they crash their bike into them and so the book is about her like just trying to exist with this uh, you know this this thing in her brain that mm. always makes her do this um, and uh, she has like multiple different escapism she like you know loves Japanese um TV shows and like the toys that come with them and so that gets her a job in the UK with an old friend um, she also uh, practices Buddhism and um, uh, like meditation um, so that, 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 that is an element of it as well um, and then we, we see her meet someone who reminds her of a Japanese toy that she loves and start a relationship with them and uh, it's basically about living with this problem from their point of view um, it's a, about a year of her life, um, and uh, it is so beautifully illustrated and drawn. You have these little excerpts of prose that I think are like meant to be like episodes of the the, the TV show that she loves, um, or that is an unrelated story. I don't know. I mean, to read it again. It's beautiful, but, um, isn't it? It's all written, written and drawn by Glenn Dillon. Yeah, it's great. You've read this. I, I, yeah. I, I, I take it. I love it. I love it. I haven't read it in a while. Um, he also. But it's on my um, shelf. He shared a, um, a studio space with Jamie Hewlett for many years and actually assisted on a lot of the um, early Gorillaz films, film clips. He's an insanely talented dude. And this is still, if you go to his Twitter bio, the first thing he, he says is author of The Now of Brown. So he's clearly very proud of this book and uh, he has every reason to be. It was excellent. Um, the ending is, uh, is, is, is really, really crazy. And I, I need to read it again because uh, a, lot, a lot happens in this book and it's kind of... It, it jumps forward ahead in time. Actually, I watched, I read it the same time I watched season two of Fleabag. Oh, and nice! There's a lot of there's a few little the kind of similar threads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can, I can feel that. yeah. I can so see if, that. if you're a fan of th- Fleabag, maybe re- read the Now of Brown. Mm. Yeah, nice. Um, loved it. Very cool. Finally, very happy that I finally read it. I want. I'm looking over at my shelf now and seeing if there's any other books that I've just owned for a tremendously long. Oh, here you go. Eddie Campbell's Alec. The years have pants. Oh, nice! I like. So read that. I could like. It's a murder weapon on my shelf. It's so thick. <laughs> that is massive. I've still got the Invisibles omnibus on my shelf. I feel like I'm never going to crack I've that. Never read the Invisibles either. It's so impenetrable. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard. <laughs> but I also have uh, James Deco's One Ton Soup. That's much, uh, much more accessible. But I've never read that. Better read it. I shouldn't say that in yeah. front of Nate. Everyone, look on your shelf. I bet you have at least 10 comics you've never read before. And if you have less than five, wow. Yeah. Man, Man. you need to buy some more comics that you'll never read. I'll say. Can I mention a couple of um, bonus things before we finish up? Hell yeah. Number one, um, Mm -hmm. Lab or Lab. I'm not quite sure how you're supposed to pronounce it. But Ron Wimbley's. Thai food? Nope. But it's also, I think it's spelled the same way. L-A-A-B. Yes, it's Lab. Yeah. Lab. Um... Is Lab is a is a dish of minced pork or chicken. One chicken of mince. one of my absolute faves. I love a good spicy and lab. Toasted rice. Mm. Yeah, toasted like rice flour. It's very good. Delicious. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Ron Wimbley's annual um, sort of uh, broadsheet newspaper comic collection, 
which is currently uh, kickstarting its third um, issue, which is confusingly called number two. <laughs> Love number two. <laughs> so you had numbers. You had issue zero, then issue four, and now issue two. That is hilarious. He's a wacky dude. Um, it's going to have. It has comics in it from people like uh, Paul Pope, Michael DeForge, uh, Rosemary Valero O'Connell. Um, heaps, heaps more people. Really, really interesting up-and-coming cartoonists and essayists and um, things like that. Not to mention work by, you know, Ron himself, one of the all-time greats. Um, and I really recommend uh, backing that Kickstarter. I assume it's going to make it anyway. It's pretty successful as a, as a sort of thing. Um, it's almost... It's, it's up to 35000 of its $41,000 goal. Um, so get in, get get him while you still can. It's lovely to have a big broadsheet sized uh, comic. His like all the comics look so gorgeous printed at that size. It's like nice big Wednesday comic size or traditional newspaper size if you're not a nerd. Um, and uh, it's clever and smart and brilliant. I rate it. I recommend. Actually, you know what? Hold on. Keep talking for one second. I'm just going to run and get it. I think I have something that I've owned for a long, long time. It's enormous. There it is. I can see it over there on my shelf. Hold on. Go get it. What is it going to be? Massive. Ah, see, guys, I'm such a child. I was going to say massive dildo. Is it a massive dildo? Oh, that's brilliant. Have you got this? Okay, I spilled water all over my copy and Nate made me throw it out. Damn, okay. I'm, like, looking at Nate right now. It's... The biggest comic I own. It's so good, Biggest comic I own. It's so good. Apparently, this dude got cancelled, but I don't care. It's great. Masterplasty yeah. is what it's called by James Harvey. And funnily enough, on the front it says, Masterplasty is a modern classic. Robin, Ronald Wimberley. There you go. I agree, Ron. Um, but this is like an enormously oversized. This, this is probably even bigger than the Ronald Wimberley book, right? Um, this is huge. Well, like the, the um, I think it might actually be smaller, but you can fold lab up. Oh, I see. Um, but that's really brilliant. It's about like plastic surgery taken to like a really extreme sort of silly comic book kind of level. And it's, I loved it. Okay. Loved it. Yeah. Okay, I'll definitely read that. It has, I accidentally put, um, put it on the top of a box and then moved and then cut open the, um, the, the box when I, when I need it, when I reopened the box and then sliced through the top of the cover. It's the number one so comic like, that you damage in your house because it's so huge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All the more room to, to ruin. Yeah, exactly. Um, any more, any more shout outs? Uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention was uh, the latest volume of Fence came out in graphic novel. Oh, yeah, shit. Oh, wait, so that means two have come out now? Or just the one? No, this is the first one that's been released just as graphic, okay, sweet. just in a graphic novel. Um, and it was great. I loved it. Very cute, very silly, very, still very slow burn, but we're getting closer, guys. It's going to be smooching at some point. Um, I loved it. I think <laughs> I actually preferred it coming out in the single issue because we got all that fun, like, back matter, and they didn't have that in the graphic novel. Um, was there much back matter? What well, was the there were, like, the remember. little funny, like coaches emails to each other and like a couple of little bits and pieces like sort of uh, fencing lingo don't you remember that stuff anyway um yeah yeah actually you're right you are right i just forgotten it erased from my memory but um it's I still spilled water on my memory of it. <laughs> still excellent i rate it good good that's it awesome that is a good episode Siobhan. I one agree. of the best i reckon probably top mm. i don't feel comfortable saying this often but i think it's the best episode we've ever recorded well i'm glad you agree well, um, thanks so much for everyone for listening. If you uh, want to come and talk to us about comics, you can do so in our group, which Ooh, you I can find at facebook.com slash uh, Serious Issues Podcast. No, 
Facebook.com slash groups slash Serious Issues Podcast. And it's catchy. Uh, then you can... Yep, very catchy. You can also head over to our Patreon uh, if you'd like and kick us a couple of bucks. Patreon.com slash Serious Issues Podcast. You can find Siobhan online on Twitter and Instagram at SiobhanCBG and I am at LevDog, L-E-V-D-O-W-G. Thanks so much to uh, Connor for doing the last two episodes. Thank that you, was Connor. very fun to do some episodes with them. And who knows what guests we have uh, in, coming up in the future um, until we can start doing like weekly in-person uh, episodes again. I look forward Maybe to Maybe it'll happen. Who knows? Yeah. A pipe dream. Uh, but thanks so much for listening and we'll, uh, ho- we'll hopefully see you soon. Thanks, guys. Take it easy. Bye. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.